Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself, Ange McCabe, and Scott Russ are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Dr. Paul Lammers, who is the president and CEO of Triumvera Immunologics. Paul served as chief medical officer and head of U.S. product development for EMD Serrano. During his early industry tenure, he also had various executive and or senior management positions in clinical development, medical and regulatory affairs at different pharmaceutical companies, as well as at small public and privately held biotech companies. Hi, Paul. We're so excited to have you on the Elevate Business Podcast to hear more about you, your leadership journey, and to hear a little bit as well within your organization, uh, Trimovera. Great. Uh, it's great to be here. I just so appreciate it. So I'm looking forward to uh, to have an interesting, you know, interactive conversation here. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's just dive in. Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, your role, and your leadership journey. Sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm a Dutchman by uh, by heritage, so to say. So I moved to the United States in 1992 mm-hmm. uh, with my uh, family. Um, so I'm a physician and biologist trained in Holland. Uh, however, I joined the pharma world uh, over 30 years ago now. So I've been in pharma and biotech my whole career. Uh, initial part of my uh, career, I was uh, medical director or chief medical officer of different companies. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in 2009, I moved to Austin um, and I spent, you know, in different places in the country. But we moved to Austin to become president and CEO of a company called Myrna Therapeutics. Um, sort of was my first, uh, you know, gig as a CEO, so to say, uh, which was, uh, you know, interesting learning curve, so to say. Uh, I raised 160 million for the company, bought a public on NASDAQ in 2015. All that is an interesting experience. Uh, unfortunately, we had toxicity in our phase one clinical trial, so we had to stop, you know, the, um, the trial. And then basically, we decided as a board directors to basically, instead of trying to find, um, you know, a solution to the problem, instead to do reverse merger with another company. And we did, completed that in 2017. So we closed the doors in August 17. Uh, then I was, I was basically consulting for a few companies. And as part of that, I was asked to go to Toronto and meet the co-founders of Triumvera. Mm-hmm. So uh, Professor Johnson Bramson, who's a professor here at McMaster University in Hamilton, Ontario, out of whose lab the technology came forth. Mm-hmm. And Brian Bloom, the CEO, Bloom Burton, the business founder of the company. And uh, they were also the ones initially who provided funding for, for Triumvera. Mm-hmm. And I was very intrigued because cell therapy is about the hottest area in immune oncology right now for the treatment of different cancer types. Uh, the technology that we have is very well differentiated from other cell therapies. So I thought, hey, it would be great, you know, to build a business and a team around this. So I joined January 1st, 2018 as president and CEO. Uh, at that time, there were two scientists 
at uh, in Jonathan's lab at McMaster that were employees. Right now we have 53 people, um, basically roughly 50-50 split between Canada and the U.S. So in Canada, mm-hmm. we have our research group and process development group. So all the young scientists are here. Um, and then in the U.S., we hired all kinds of industry experienced professionals in various uh, functional, whether it's finance, quality, manufacturing, uh, business development, and in fact, people are uh, in clinical development and people are spread around the country. So we have employees from Seattle to you know Boston to Florida to Houston to, and of course, we moved our corporate headquarters to Austin. That's where I'm located. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. Oh, that's fantastic, Paul. I appreciate you kind of bringing us through your your experience and your, and your journey as a leader. Yeah. I, I'm curious. You mentioned you know when you first kind of cut your teeth into the uh, the CEO role. Uh, back in the early 2010s or 2013 in that area. Um, what were some yeah. of the learnings that you had from that leadership experience that you brought into uh, Triumvira that you were able to help uh, help support the team? Well, yeah, it's an, it was an interesting experience because obviously as a chief medical officer at different companies, of course, yeah, I've been in the leadership role already for years. And, mm. you know, so it's okay to uh, lead a team, to hire people, to manage that, Um but really to be, have that kind of uh, P&L responsibility and also to raise money. And of course, I was involved in, in activities at other companies in terms of meeting with potential investors and doing research days and what have you, but actually be responsible for, uh, for raising funding is quite different. And I'll be honest, a funny example, I didn't even know the difference between a buy side and a sell side analyst, I'm sure. I mean, so... <laughs> I was, it was truly a novice as well, but look, it's, you know, I always feel whatever job you take, if you have an interest in it and you read up, you talk to some experts and in no time, you know, of course, it's very important to see as a first time CEO, you have a good relationship with your board, especially with your chairman. And in no time you become a discussant at the table, right? It's all about if you have a healthy set of brains and, you know, you're willing to do some work to get into it. It's okay, you know, and I, I think that applies to so many jobs, I think, in general, right? Um, mm. And it's most of it is not rocket science, right? So, um, you know, I've been able to do that in a lot of different roles that I've had in my career. And that's fun, too. You learn something new, and I always like to do that. And I, I like for employees to learn new things and also for myself to learn new things. Mm, I understand you. And, and I think it's a really interesting approach. What I'm hearing is that... You know, it's not having the expectations that you know everything walking into a role. Rather, it's taking the humanistic approach with regards to how do you ensure that you learn it and how do you ensure not just that you learn it, but you're applying it efficiently for your team members. And so I'm kind of curious to understand, you had said something in the green room uh, a while back with Scott, and it was something to the effect of, you know, CEOs aren't just leading, we're part of the team. Tell, tell us more about that. I'm really interested to hear that perspective. Well, I think, I, yeah, absolutely. Great question. So I, I think it's really important. Look, I, I'm a firm believer in teamwork. And mm. I truly think that the results of the team is more than just the sum of parts, <laughs> right? Sum of individuals in case of a team. And I tell people, in fact, yesterday when I met for the first time a lot of folks here I never met before, I said, look, guys, yes, I'm the president CEO. I understand that. But I'm Paul. I'm a member of the team. I want you to be successful. You want me to be successful because together, then we can be really, uh, you know, successful. And um, look, I always said, look, my door is open. I appreciate everybody's, um, you know, input, whether that is from an administrative assistant or from a vice president. Everybody can have a fantastic idea. And I love to hear those. Um, And uh, whatever we can do together as a team, 
to move the company forward. And ultimately, because the reason we get out of bed every morning and, and jump and go to go to work, we want to make a difference in a patient's life. And, and that, that accounts for me as obviously as a physician, but also as a, as a CEO of the company, but also for a bank scientist. You know, they do a lot of basic work that ultimately results in something we're going to treat patients with, which is really, really mm. critical. And that's the reason we do this. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing there, Paul, is really tying that, that sense of purpose uh, to the work that they're doing within the company and the impact that they're looking to have. Or maybe the research they're doing right now isn't, isn't having that impact, but down the road, as things evolve, sure. it will start to help build that, that final line. And so I jumped in there, Andrew. I know you had something else coming up. No, but it's a bit so true, Scott, okay. because by now, ultimately, look, if you want to develop a therapeutic, means is you have to get into patients, right? That's the reason why you do this, right? right. So the non-clinical, pre-clinical part takes many years. And um, But now we're in the clinic, you know, we're treating patients, which is more exciting to hear mm-hmm. because these patients have advanced cancers. It is their last resort, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you obviously want to give the people the hope that your therapy is going to make a difference in their, um, you know, in their disease trajectory, you know, obviously that it's safe, uh, that we see some effects and obviously, you know, um, you know, make a difference in these cancer patients' life. But what do you do it for? And I've worked on so many different therapeutic areas from cancer to multiple sclerosis to reproductive health to, you know, antidepressants. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you want to develop a product or a therapy that really helps a patient get better, feel better, do better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, you know, that's, that's the fun of doing drug development. But it takes a long time. And I think, you know, one of the only good things that came out of this pandemic is the fact that the vaccines were improved in four months. Now, the problem with that is it's awesome, but now people think it only takes four months to develop a drug. <laughs> and to be honest, as a pharma and biotech industry, we have always done a poor job of explaining to the lay public how mm. long it takes to develop a product or a drug or a device mm. that matter. And it doesn't take four months. It takes 14 years and it takes a billion and a half dollars in, you know, in, in funding. It, it is a long process. And, you know, people need to realize that, that it takes so many different things and so many aspects, whether it's on the safety side, on the efficacy side, but it's on the, on the, the manufacturing side, the quality control, all that is so important. And, um, you know, and obviously FDA has really high hurdles like every other regulatory agency around the world. And you need to be able to pass those. And it's that's not easy. It is mm-hmm. not easy. But, but you know, that's the fun of drug development, you know, and to see, see what your product can do and what your therapy can have an impact and to what extent, you know, how many patients do you need to treat in order for FDA to accept the kind of, you know, effect that you see mm-hmm. and all the kind of things, you know, play into it. Right. Paul, it, it sounds so interesting because it, it gives you an opportunity to wear so many hats with regards to regulatory, working and creating relationships with your board, the funding side of things, and then internal to your organization, your team members, and ensuring that there's engagement and growth there, um, despite everything that's going on in our environments. And so I'm really interested to understand, what is it that you do to ensure that you're continuously reflecting on your leadership style? And how do you disseminate that? Or how do you ensure that that's radiated throughout your organization to continuously um, develop leadership? Yeah, that's a good question. So for me, look, I interviewed, I've interviewed a lot of people over the years, right? Over Mm -hmm. the past 30 years, right? And I always tell the candidates, there are basically three questions that are important to me. One is, can you do the job? 
And that means that you have the skills to do it, i.e. that's reflected in your resume. Right. Secondly is, do you want to do the job, i.e. are you motivated to join Trianvera and be part of this team? Right. And thirdly, very importantly, can we stand to work with you? Mm. Because the ultimate fit with the team is the most crucial thing. People may mm. not have the skills, but they can learn on the job. But if they're motivated, they're enthusiastic, they have a great attitude towards their colleagues, they will also believe in the teamwork. Mm. That makes the huge difference. Now, what I do then, I trust people to do their work. I let people work independently. Mm-hmm. So yes, of course, we have a management team, we have management team meetings, we have all kinds of other meetings. But if I ask my, say, my chief scientific officer or my chief technology officer to do this, I'm not going to ask him or her three times a day, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? Because it drives that person crazy, it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. I trust him to do this. The only thing I always say in return We all make errors because we're humans. But what I hate to see is somebody tries to push something under the rug quickly. Right. I mean, you have to own up to your mistakes. And then as a team, we can try to correct those. Mm -hmm. But other than that, people love the fact that they work independently. We, I hired a, I hired a VP or a CSO for the reason that they bring that expertise and that background knowledge. And I let, you know, in this case, you know, him do his work and manage his own team, hire his people, you know, and 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 guess what? The, the results are there because our board is always so impressed with the progress that we're making. Why? Because all the functions working really well together. Why? Because I allow their functional heads to do their work. That's why mm-hmm. I hired them for. So um, it's more as a CEO, you have to be able to integrate that all together and uh, making sure that the functions, you know, um, work smooth together it's an oil machine oftentimes look and that's normal too some friction might might occur between functions because of either pressure on work or i mean they're spending too much money i mean so the budget becomes an issue but that's good to work that out right and that's really the role that we have in a management team meetings to make sure that everybody is aware of what the others are doing that we're all the nose that are in the same direction the same page etc and um i think you can achieve achieve a lot even with a relatively small team look we have more than 50 people which is awesome but we're not a 3,000 people research organization mm. like Merck has or Pfizer right I mean you know so mm. um so you have to understand the limitations and oftentimes now both human and financial resources are often the limiting factors in biotech uh, mm. because it's critical that you find talent and it's critical that you retain talent Right. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and I'll be honest, despite the COVID pandemic, we grew from 16 people mid 2020 to 53 now. So despite the pandemic, we've been able to hire really, really great talent. Um, and obviously, they're younger scientists. A lot of them come straight out of academia, straight out of their completely out of their bachelor's or master's or they have just done a postdoc. Um you know, and obviously working in academia is quite different than working in biotech environments. Mm-hmm. So also that is a learning curve for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, expectations are different. Um, obviously, um, you know, it's a different generation too, right? Let's mm-hmm. be real. It's a much younger generation that have different expectations and perhaps aspirations as the much older ones like myself. But, you know, I think it's great to work with that. I like, I have three daughters myself and, you know, of course they have now grown, you know, two have already kids are on their own, but it's interesting to see that whole, how their growth is, how, the, how their families grow, how their thinking grows, how their jobs grow. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see that also in your own team and your own company. Mm-hmm. There's a lot there. 
<laughs> I know. Like, where, where do we pick a part? Answer. We got, it was right? a long answer. So. I know. I know. Do, do we stay on leadership? Do we go to generational? Do we look at building teams? You guys. <laughs> yeah. No. For sure. You said something really interesting in there, and and I took a note of it. Can we stand to work with you? And and the thread that I'm seeing throughout the whole conversation so far, Paula, is like it's all around the what we call soft skills or what we call human skills. In the sense of, you know, we can teach competencies. Obviously, there has to be a baseline if we're, if we're you know, looking for certain criteria for, for particular roles, projects, et cetera. But when it comes to the, the human skills side of it, something that came up for me, it's like, you know, it's, it's almost that honeymoon stage in the first three months with team members. So the interview's awesome, they're your A player, you're super excited about them, and then they get comfortable and we start to see that whole person. And so what is your approach in in going through that kind of norming, storming, performing stages with your team members and understanding the human skill side of things? Well, I think that it's a great question. I think that onboarding is an important part of it. Mm. Uh, But also look at the end of the day, say somebody has say, six or eight interviews before they get offered the job, right? I think the feedback from your functional has to interview the person, you know, and, and uh, across the management team, is, depending on, on the, uh, the level of the, uh, the position that you're hiring for, um, you know, is critical because they, they realize that new um, employee is going to be part of that team, right? So, um, you know, I'd always like to interview people too because they get a sense of what, what makes people tick, right? What is mm. really... I, I must admit, as a people manager and as a hiring manager, that fit is still the most difficult question to answer sometimes. Because mm-hmm. I've had people who, and part of my friends, who have BS themselves mm-hmm. to, eight, to eight interviews. And everybody says, oh, my God, this is fantastic. That's awesome. Let's hire right away. And I've been in a situation where I had to fire the guy after three months because it was a total dud of a hire. Mm. because all the enthusiasm that he had in the interview process was none there on day one when he started. And thinking, that's almost odd. It's like, you know, what the hell happened? Is this a different individual? I mean, it was a Jekyll and Hyde topic. It was, it was really strange. But, mm. you know, at the end of the day, do you have that feel that this person is going to make that difference on your team? Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, and, and can we really think that he or she is going to really help in terms of collaborating on our future growth and success, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, and look, and, and as I said earlier, the challenge that you have, you have a whole lot of young scientists, right? Mm-hmm. And as a scientist, as a research scientist, coming out of academia where you have your bench in the lab, you do your experiments, you write them up, you hope to publish them or present them at conferences and what have you and grow your resume that way, you know, for them to be suddenly in a biotech world where the ultimate goal is to get into patients and they say oh my god you're actually going to treat patients with this stuff yes that's why we're in this business <laughs> right i mean but that is such that that is such a you know, friend's world for them so to say right it's something that they've never been even picturing that actually what they have done in the lab is going to be translated into a product that we administer to a patient mm. right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um i think that is an educational process um that is really critical. And the other thing is I've always been willing to share uh, a lot of information with my employees. Yeah, look, I always feel that it doesn't matter whether you, you sell bicycles or you try to develop a product. The two most important things in business is information and communication. Mm. And I truly feel if you trust your employees, 
you can share information with them. They're all professionals, right? And sometimes, yeah. look, if, if it's confidential, we said, look, this we share this within the team, but that stays in the team, which means mm-hmm. that you don't share with your with your you know with your partner or with your kids or with your uncles, whatever. Um, that's important. It's a private company. It's absolutely critical when you're a public company, right? Because you need to be really careful about. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. But I truly think people appreciate that because people employees sense if management is keeping things away from them. They sense that really quick. Mm-hmm. And that is detrimental to the overall mood and culture in your organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So trust it, right? I mean, yep. I always said, if you don't think that you can trust your employees, then you will never be a top performing company. Mm. So if you, think you have, if you think you have mediocre employees, you'll end up being a mediocre company. Mm-hmm. If you think that you've hired real top talent, then you can strive to become a top performing company. Mm-hmm. But I think that the information, look, is, is really critical. But people need to understand, the employees will understand, guys, this is for internal use only, right? I mean, this is just for your mm-hmm. ears, but not anybody else's ears, right? Yeah, yeah. And definitely. I appreciate if you're home and you're enthusiastic about the job, but just don't share this with others. Mm. Right? I'm curious, Paul, in your experience, uh, you know, you've talked a little bit about bringing on new grads and working in, in you know, bringing on many people from a management position. Um, is trust something that is earned over time or it's a given right at the get-go? Well, look, it grows over time, Scott, truly, right? I mean, at mm. the end of the day, as I yeah. said, you know, you bring somebody on because you had the person has the right background. He or she's really enthusiastic for joining the team. We think it's a great fit. But then over time, you know, to meetings, to discussions, to conversations, you yeah, that trust develops more, right? And um, yeah, so right now with my 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 senior management team, look, I, I trust these folks and of course I talk to them every day, but um, you know, it's, it's that kind of trust level that you need to have and develop over time, you know, um, and with some individuals, it goes faster than with others because it mm-hmm. all depends on their personality, right? Others, some people are more open, easier to connect with and others are just a bit more reserved. That's how the personality is. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And there's some interesting things in there. Like when we talk about trust, like to me, I think about, uh, you know, my definition is like a bid. So basically, you know, you start with small bids and as actions and words are aligning or people are showing up um, or they're able to functionally debate and have healthy conflict and you can see those things, um, then that's when the bids get bigger and the trust also grows as well. I really enjoyed that. That's that's really great, uh, Paul. I know we can can likely discuss this uh, at length. Uh, and continue. But as we're coming to a close here, we always like to ask our, our guests, what are a few words of inspiration uh, that you would want the world to hear? Well, um, I've told my own daughters and I tell people the most important thing in your professional life is that you really have to wake up and have fun to jump out of bed and go to work. I mean, your satisfaction in your professional thing is so important. Mm-hmm. Because yes, money is important, but it's not just about the money. It's also about the satisfaction that you're doing a great job, whether you're research or you do clinical studies, it doesn't matter. Um, and whatever job you do, I think it's really important to have that job satisfaction. Um, and the final thing is that, uh, as they say, the days are long, but the years fly by. And that is so true, right? Um, and I, I just want to be sure that people in general realize. You know, when you look back at the end of your life, 
on your life is not just about the length of it. It's also about the width. So you have to live the area of your life, right? Length times width, right? So enjoy as much as you can. Do other stuff, right? Um, enjoy your vacation. A lot of you know, a lot of people have still a tough time taking vacation because they think, oh my God, my job, you know, whatever. Look, guys, um, you know, nobody is irreplaceable, right? So don't think that you're irreplaceable. You should take a time off. You should, you know, recharge, enjoy the time, you know, travel the world or do whatever you like to do in your vacation time. Um, but it's important to also to, you know, read books, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, basically develop that width of your life as well, mm. not just the length of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like That's amazing. That. Thank you so much, Paul, for joining us today. We really appreciate your leadership uh, and entrepreneurial insights shared with us here at Intuitive Performance and our subscribers. Great. That's great to connect, guys. So uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Angie. Scott. Yes. Okay. And for for those who would like to learn more about uh, Tremivera email logistics or logics, excuse me, we're going to provide the links to your company's profile in the LV Business Podcast title page. Take good care. Okay. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter, and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting? Explore the whole person leadership cohort by Intuity Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.